everyone. Welcome back to Speak, Listen, Heal. I'm your host, Madison, and this is our 10th and final episode for now. In this episode, we will hear from Troy McCullough. I actually met Troy my first week here at 180 Place. Uh, We were both just starting off here, So it feels really full circle for me that he was the last person I got to interview as part of this project. Mr. McCullough is a very interesting guy. On the outside, he's this tough-looking biker dude, but once you get talking to him, you find out that he's an artist who is passionate about kids and giving back to the community. In fact, you can find some of his artwork at various skate parks and outdoor spaces around town. I am so grateful to Mr. McCullough for sharing his story with me and with all of you. And big thanks to all of our other storytellers in this series who have shared their stories with us and to all of you who've tuned in to listen. Uh, This has been a very meaningful and important project to me. Um, And I could not have done it without the storytellers and without all of you listeners. So I am very humbled and very grateful to you all for being here. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. Till next time. family, um, ended up leaving home when I was 16, uh, went to Detroit where most of the family was from, uh, dad traveled a lot, so more or less raised in Detroit, finished school in, uh, Michigan, and, uh, then I went to college two years down in Florida, and that's how I went to, um, Daytona back in 1988, and um, so I found myself in South Carolina, so here we are. Uh, had the house, the picket fence, um, I took, raised two stepsons, uh, came into their lives when they were three and five, so I feel like more or less they're my children. Uh, put them through college. Uh, I'm a retired German carpenter, I'm, I'm sorry about that, I meant to mention, uh, yeah, I'm a, uh, for the union up there in Michigan. Um, I'm a gentleman at a local 232 uh, union carpenters. So, uh, yeah, I had the house, pick a fence, put the boys through college, house paid off. Thought I was here on Easy Street and didn't quite make it. Uh, wife decided she wanted a divorce, so women get what they want. And, uh, I mean, uh, it, I was happy. I didn't want to divorce, you know. 
um, she got the house and I got the Harley in my ass and uh, we just keep on moving, you know. Um, there's a, I don't like drama, but there's a lot of drama in that divorce, has all of them, so you can just, it's a, it's a hard thing. But anyways, um, yeah, so I put the boys through college and uh, so living in Florida 14 years, um, down there, I did, like I said, I did two years of college. So uh, I love the South. Um, spent half my life in the South, more or less. So here we are in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I got the ocean, I got the Harley in my ass. And uh, I mean, what can you do? Um, just trying to start over. Anyhow, um, I lived in um, the Gibbons Ferry State Park uh, eight months, actually, and you're only allowed to stay there three weeks. But the rangers liked me, and I didn't raise hell, and I always rode the bike into town to work out of the daily labors and uh, came home, cooked me something to eat on the fire and uh, had no issues and let me stay there a long time. Thank goodness, they were really cool, you know. Uh, so anyways, I got... Um, Coming into Charleston all the time uh, to work in the labor halls, it got kind of expensive gas-wise, and then um, I broke up my, my uh, Dodge Durango broke down on me, so, and it was just me in the two wheels. I bought a Dodge Durango, I forgot to mention that. Uh, I trailered the bike down, so I came with everything. I mean, I'm an ex-Boy Scout, Army family, so I, I knew what I needed to survive, and took the tin pans and the camping gear and took off. Um, well, what I'm looking forward to in the future is just peace, you know, find somebody that's fine, but, you know, just be happy, you know, uh, life is hard and it does roll by fast. Love them children, man. They grow up quick, you know, and you're having your own. So love them youngins, man. Teach them. Don't let the government teach them. And, uh, well... I just want everybody to, everybody should have a home, you know, it's a, it's a, a shame, you know, our veterans, you know, they fought for our country and here they're living underneath the bridge, you know, I'm, I come from a veteran family, um, a lot of them have passed away in war, some of them aren't right in their head, you know, um, so, uh, raise them children yourself, don't let the government do it. Yeah, the only regret I really got is not finishing college. I mean, um, I'd have made a lot more money and maybe not used my back so much. So what originally brought you down to Daytona? Well, the, the art school, uh, I went for drafting, architecture, and art. Um, and the school that uh, was cheapest, you know, mom and dad didn't pay for our college back in the day. It was the cheapest, something I could afford, and, and um, I could work and try to support myself. And I did. I mean, I worked high-rise construction uh, on Beachside through college um, and did college, too. It was hard, but, I mean, it was all right. And I just ended up staying down there 14 years. It was good money for as young as I was. and. 
being from up north, I didn't care for the snow, you know. Uh, I raced motorcycles when I was younger, so I got a lot of uh, messed up parts on me. Both my ankles are screwed together. I got a pin in my left knee. I've had three back surgeries, and I got a metal plate in my head. Uh, so I'm pretty banged up, you know, and in construction all my life. Uh, I'm 54. I just turned 54. I forgot to mention my age. Sorry, y'all. So had you always been interested in art? It's a God-gifted talent. Um, I still draw. About uh, to give back to the community like we were talking about. Um, there's a skateboard park thing going on, and I got some stencils go down there to get rid of some graffiti and add some of my own graffiti. I, I kind of like uh, um, graffiti when I was growing up. I'm sure I'm, I know I did our bridges around my time when I was younger, so. Now to do it legally, I thought, what the heck, as an artist, I couldn't beat that with a stick. That's, um, that'll outlive me, and uh, I can always say, long hair Uncle Troy or somebody did this many years from now, and I could be gone, and it's giving back to the community. So, so yeah, I did a B8 Harley-Davidson engine. It's five foot by five foot. I did a palm, the state flag palm in the moon, crest moon, uh, South Carolina state flag. Then I got a skeleton riding a skateboard and he's catching some maritime and uh, underneath the skateboard says Chucktown. And uh, so they're, they're, and they're really big because these columns are huge under I-26. And there's been several people that's passed away down there and they're really just trying to clean it up. The community's trying to clean it up free, really. The community's trying to do that. Charleston's come a long ways in the past couple of years. Do you want to talk about your time in Florida and some of the things that you got into? Okay. Um, well, that's all right. We'll be honest. Um, that's why I didn't finish high school. Um, or college. Or college, I mean. Uh, I got, you know, construction guys drinking, partying all the time, you know. Um, I got riding in some rough crowds, end up working myself into the rough crowd. Um, I didn't end up finishing college due to um, riding with the outlaws. Uh, I was coming back with a load. I was coming over the Florida, Georgia line, and here come cherry whistles and uh, pulled over. Of course, they had the dogs. I, I think I was pretty much set up, but anyways, um, long story short, I didn't snitch and, uh, ended up going back up north and that's why I didn't finish college. Uh, I was doing all right down there. I mean, I had, um, a house almost paid off for, I had a Corvette, Camaro, and three Harleys. I mean, college, I'm doing that good. You know, I, I thought I lost my focus and, uh, you know, mom and dad didn't pay for our college. I did what I had to do, but I was having too much fun doing it. So anyways, I ended up back up north. I got married, uh, joined the Carpenters Hall. And uh, I was married 14 years, and now uh, I'm back down here. Um, like I said, I raised the two boys. I love them. You know, they're doing better than I am, you know. So just uh, take care of those kids. Teach them right, man. They're so, they're so fragile when they're young, and you got to really just um, 
respect everything, respect how, how you come across, they're watching you, they, they learn from you every, every little step, man. I mean, every little step. And um, it's, uh, it's important to spend time with them. And we just put our mom in a damn, we thought we was putting her in an old folks home. But uh, she ended up going to the nut house. Um, she, uh, that dementia hit her real quick. I mean, within the past year, she's, uh, she isn't my mom. I mean, I, I don't know who the woman is. I mean, I can't say I've seen her lately, but I guess it's gotten bad and I was up there this past summer and spoke with her and she, you, she could tell she wasn't right, you know. But um, anyhow, we just put her in a mental hospital, man. It's freaking, I don't know what to do. I want to go home, man, really. But is she gonna, I mean, my mom was a tough country girl, man. And uh, I mean, she's from the hills of Kentucky, West Virginia line. And she's pretty stubborn, pretty like me, you know. You get your ideas in your head and ain't nobody gonna tell you no, you got to do what you got to do and you're gonna roll with it, you know. Yeah. Family's tighter than anything right now. I mean, um, just stay, if you got family, stay with them. You know, I kinda wanna go home, but you know, what's home anymore, you know? I, I don't know what home is, you know? And um, kinda, kinda been a road dog my whole life, you know, but you know, being married 14 years and being around the family, and now being back around them, and both my parents getting old, it's uh, it's a kind of important, you know. Yeah. Family, family is important, and taking taking the time to respect each other and love each other, be be strong, mm -hmm. be a, be a strong love, you know. But. I just think everybody really needs to take the word seriously when they make certain steps in life and hopefully, you know, make the right choices. And I didn't make the right one. Like I said, I wish I had to finish college. That's my biggest regret, you know. Times were different back then, though. I mean, the 80s and the 70s, that was into the good times, you know. And I, I kind of wasn't in Miami, you know, I ran through Miami, but I was in Florida. I mean, we was Miami Vice before Miami Vice, so let's be real about it, you know. Those were the times. Back in the day, you could drink your lunch, I mean, um, so I drank a little bit, and I guess their limit is not my limit because I'm still functioning and I can handle it. <laughs> Come from a military family and Irish and Indian, I just uh, takes a lot to get me drunk, but I'm way over their limit. Native American? Yeah, I got like um, eight percent, I think it is. Oh wow! Yeah, my grandpa was. He was half himself. Okay. He oh, wow. or sixty sixty-five percent. Grandpa was like sixty-five percent just himself, so that made mom like thirty thirty-two percent. And then me, like, 8%, you know. Um, but, I mean, it was, I mean, that, that's the Moonshine Hill folks. I mean, a lot of the Indians got pushed in the mountains if they didn't go to the reservations, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of your hillbillies were early Indians. 
you know, they went up in the mountains and hid in the caves and stuff like that. And so your hillbillies are sometimes Indians. And um, Grandpa was worked the coal mines. You know, uh, he died of black lung himself, of black lung. But uh, he was uh, he's seen the racist racial part of it. You know, on the Indian side. Yeah. You know, the country's always been kind of racist. I mean, they tried to wipe the Indians out, let's be real about it. (laughs) Did you get to know your grandpa? Oh, yeah, I knew, me and grandpa, yeah. We would hunt and fish and, um, you know, I can, I can, I mean, I wouldn't know the the woods. I'm comfortable in the woods if it wasn't for my military family and grandpa. I mean, I could survive. I mean, I'm all right under the bridge. I really am. You wouldn't know I'm homeless, I mean. Um, you got cell phones now, and I don't tell people my business, so. No, I miss, um, you know, our loved ones. I mean, when they're gone, they're gone. I mean, you can't, can't bring them back. I mean, there's, I miss my older brother, you know. Um, wow. I love him. He was my first damn friend, you know, I mean. And uh, we were two different people. He was the prep, and jock and I was the concert t-shirt and jock but I smoke and drank you know he would just drink and never get caught well I didn't give a shit you know but anyways we were two different people um but we always had respect for each other and we could always be honest with each other and um he'd tell me if I was right or wrong or he'd have a different outlook on uh the issue than what I was looking at. I would look at it a different view and he'd change it up on me. And, and he knew me, you know, he, I mean, he probably knew me better than anybody, you know. And to lose him, I mean, it's just, uh, it sucked because uh, now I feel like I really don't have nobody to talk to. I mean, me and my dad, like I said, I come from a strong military families and all my uncles and uh, dad are a high-ranked military, and they there ain't no they grab the bow by the horns and ride it too. So I get I get it honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about how you got into biking. Well, I lived on Beachside because I put up the condos, and then you know it's um it was a, you had bike week, race week, spring break. The rest of the times Daytona was really dead. I mean. Um, you had the beach the whole all to yourself. Back then, you got fires on the beach and um, riding our Harleys up and down the road. So, anyways, how I got into riding? Well, I was I was racing dirt bikes when I was up north. So, I mean, I got started in running dirt, and um, I did that for like seven years on the circuit, uh, Class B and C circuit. Uh, I had uh, Yamaha and Harley as my sponsors. And when I got back down south, I was riding a Harley, but I was still going to college and stuff and uh, surfing. I liked anything to get my adrenaline flowing back in the day. And uh, so I was surfing, but riding, and I'd go on these biker bars. I mean, they were biker bars from Bike Week, for Bike Week. But the rest of the year, there was bikers that would go in there and you meet the real deals, you know, I mean. So anyways, I got my ass kicked a few times. I kicked a few asses and um, 
next thing you know, we started rolling around and I became friends with uh, a uh, guy that come down from um, New Hampshire. He was the devil's disciple patching over to be an outlaw. Me and him got pretty tight and uh, we did some crazy things, got some, got some attention and um, next thing you know, I was having uh, cocaine and marijuana uh, pretty much fronted to me and it was paying for my college, paying for my um, apartment there on the beachside. Made me, help me buy my home, you know, let's be real about it. I mean, I was doing pretty good. Uh, for, you know, what was I, 20, 19, 20 years old, you know? So, and then I was down there 14 years. I ended up patching up, uh, I, I held a patch for 10 years, full patch. Florida patch, and um, I got out. I could have joined back when I came to Detroit, but uh, I got married, and I didn't, you know, we're having two stepsons. I just, it was time to cut that out, you know. You have other people talking for you, and it's not time for a place to be to have other people talking for you, and kids don't know no better, you know. So I put a lot of the thought of that or the patch, you know. So the patch had to go. Like I say, love the kids, you know. Um, they weren't my kids. I do love them, you know. God, I, I love them. It was great to watch them grow up, you know. One was autistic. He was hell. He was pure hell. But uh, it took him three years to tie his shoes. But by God, I got him to tie his shoes. And he, he couldn't tie his shoes for years. Years and he'd be so pissed. He he went through he graduated college, you know. He played football. He was autistic as hell, man. No, no ifs ands or buts. And he did the hand jive. He uh, knows that weather better than the weather man, you know. He he was a really cool kid to watch mature into a man and holding a steady job. Like I said, he's doing better than me, so. Love the kids, man. It's it's a it's a wonderful feeling just to know that you made a young man a man or a young lady a lady, and the school didn't do it, the government didn't do it. You did that, and you see that they're a mature person and they're gonna live a hand of life, and nobody's throwing no bullshit in their head. They tried to put him on so much medicine due to his autism. I looked the doctor dead in the eyes. He ain't taking it. I'd rather me and him fight every day than you numb him to death. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and the kid are still tight. He, he, he talks to me on Facebook and actually he called me the other day, you know, like I told you, I have a long time since I cried and he made me cry by God, so I, I do love him and he loves me. It was pretty cool. They say I wasn't too bad. I mean, I, I worked a lot, and being a gentleman carpenter, I traveled Pittsburgh, St. Louis, you know. I, I did a lot of traveling, um, and uh, it was hard, you know. I'd be home on the weekends or two weeks and then take off again. But, you know, I put a roof over everybody's head. It paid for college. I had the house paid off. Like I said, I thought we was on easy street, man, and little did I know, you know. So, hey, got to roll with it. Do you want to talk about what happened with your ex-wife? Well, I'd known the guy a long time. Um, 
he uh I went to Sturgis sell some of my biker art. I sell art. I'm still uh, I still draw. Um, so anyways, uh, he asked me, "Hey man, you got anything you can do? I can do to get some extra money." I was like, "Yeah, man, you can put this moped to come in a crate." I just won the thing. I can't remember how I won it, but I won a moped and it was brand new, needed to be put together, and it was still in the crate. And she's uh. And I have it for the boy on his birthday. His birthday was coming up. And uh, he was in high school, you know, wanted to get around quicker. And he couldn't drive because it was autism. So I taught him, taught him how to just use the brake and the, the throttle where he didn't have to do all the driving because he had the hand jive thing with autism really bad. So our driving was really hard, the left foot, right foot, gas. I don't know if you know anybody on autism, but that was real difficult for him to even understand. So the moped um, could get him to point B, A and B, just using the brake and the throttle. And that's all he really needed to do, and it was just with his hands, nothing to do with his feet. So I taught him how to do a moped. And uh, anyhow, I forget, I'm getting lost. Anyhow, this creep I let in my house, uh, I had known him anyways. Anyways, he, he talked his way into my wife's, uh, our bed. And, um, uh, you know, I guess told her all kinds of stuff. I was this and I was that and I'm doing this on my rallies when all I was really doing was trying to get my, my art out there and uh, the lifestyle that I loved and had been a part of for so many years. Nobody. I tell you what, living in Daytona 14 years on Main Street, being around the real bikers, the real one percenters back in the day, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. But um, I just, I never left the biker world. Um, I stayed with the art. So I did a lot of traveling. If I, I made like three trips on my summers up in North to do rallies. Uh, and sell some biker art. So I was gone between my work and that. He told the old lady I was doing this and that. But anyhow, none of that was going on. I gave her her divorce. She got the Harley in my, I got my, she got the house, I got the Harley in my ass. And uh, a year later, he died of an overdose in my easy chair on the day of our divorce. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I didn't want the divorce to begin with. I knew I wasn't doing all that, but she believed him over me. So you can only fight so many times. I mean, you can't change stupid. I mean, you, you want to believe whatever you want to believe, fine, you know. And I couldn't convince her anyway. Others, either that or they were in love. So I just took off. That's how I ended up in South Carolina. Um, he came real close to killing her. I mean, God told me to get on that Harley and rattle out because I was real close to killing him. I knew both of them weren't, weren't being honest with me. Neither one of them had the guts to tell me the truth. But you go with your gut, and I knew that. I knew what was going on, man. I was ready, I was ready to kill both of them. I, I couldn't kill my wife and live myself. I could kill him and live with myself, and I knew I could, and he came real close to dying. I mean, um, I could very well be in prison instead of a homeless shelter if I'd have went with my actions instead of thinking it out. So that brought you down to South Carolina? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought a, bought, well, I had a trailer in my Harley, but she got the house and the cars. So actually, I gave the boys my cars, and I had the Harley. And uh, I sold the condo in um, Garden City, South Carolina. So I always liked South Carolina. But I couldn't go back to Florida due to my drug bust in Florida back when I was running with the outlaws. So when I left. So Myrtle Beach is really the closest thing I could get to a Daytona. Have my ocean, have my warmth, and start over. And I had to get rid of the condo during the divorce because she probably freaking got that too. So I sold that. And I kept my cabin up in Michigan. I got up in uh, Manistee National Forest. I got a just a one-bedroom cabin. It's all. I just got it all fixed up. I can't wait to. I got two more windows to put in and some vinyl siding, and I'll have a new roof and all windows, new storm door and doors. I can't wait to get back to it at some point. So when you were here in South Carolina, what happened that led you to 180 Place? Well, I was working for this guy under the table. Um, I'm actually disabled, but I, I can make, I'm what, on what they call the right to work ticket. And so I can, I'm allowed to make so much, but I really couldn't make enough to, and I couldn't physically do the job, you know, unless I had an employer work with me like that. And um, he's, me and him made a deal that I could be like security, and uh, if I needed some extra work, I could be like shop manager or whatever, um, caretaker. So I ended up doing that, and I, said, I had a room. We built a room inside this warehouse. Uh, I slept with limousines, and he owns, uh, actually owns the company. And um, so uh, we had put a room on in there, um, and uh, I was staying in there. And then uh, we, the company was leasing the um, um, building. And that was not in the lease agreement. Um, so Mr. Newton um, came to me and said, hey man, they found out that you're staying here. It's not on the lease. Um, you, got to, you got to go, otherwise they're gonna kick me out. And I've signed a contract that I'll be here for so long and then I'm gonna end up paying the contract and it's gonna be a long, ugly thing. So you got to go. So, uh, Went under the bridge for a while, and then it started getting cold. Um, I came here, I believe it was in January. No, but the 180's been good. They've been good to me. Um, yeah. Like I said, I got an appointment with Mr. Connor, and I, I need Section 8. I know with my disability, I can't uh, um, do it on my own. I can't afford to uh, stay up north. Um, I love the cabin, but um, with all my hardware in me, I'm just miserable. It's only really nice and warm up there three months out of the oh, year. Yeah. You know, when when I was younger, I could ride up there, and for the summer, you know, I could take three weeks and stuff like that off of work. And I love the cabin. Don't get me wrong; it's beautiful. But um, to live, it's, the environment's a pretty harsh environment. I never got, I mean, I, I love the throttle, but I've never gotten into them winter sports, man. <laughs>
So do you think you want to stay in South Carolina? I've already said I'm going to die in South Carolina. If I don't die in South Carolina, I'll die in my cabin. But, I mean, just getting back and forth, like, I was in a wreck on my way down here. So I end up in a hospital. Uh, when was it? Over, De over Christmas. Um, yeah, it was over Christmas. I was in the hospital December 28th to the 22nd to the 28th. Um, and my Harley's up at the cabin. And uh, I don't even think I could have done. I'm just now getting feeling in the left and uh, index finger, my pinky and index finger. I'm just now getting feelings. I about lost this damn hand. So why did you decide to participate in this project? Um, well, everybody's got a story. And it's, we're all alike. We're all, as much as you think that person next to you is, is better than you or whatever, take that out of your head, man. Because um, we all got our own battles. Somebody's got the worst battle than you, man. I mean, like I said, we're all we're all in need at some point. Um, I've done nothing wrong to be in the situation. It's life, um, and it's great to know that people are still out there willing to help. You know, it's not it, where the world don't just keep beating you down and beating you down. I mean, then you want to give up on yourself. So. It'll be all right. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll work its way out.